Hello and welcome to the Father's House Church. We're so glad that you're here today. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message from our lead pastor, Greg Fraser. Message. Oh, hallelujah. Wasn't worship fun today? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Dale, Dale, our trombone player, keeps saying, you're not going to be able to preach soon. I said, well, until then, Dale, I'm going to preach. Amen? But I'm okay to not preach if the Holy Spirit shows up and just says, no, you sit down for today. Amen? Just let the Lord lead it. That'd be all right with me. Hallelujah. Well, um, we've been in the book of Acts. For those of you that have not been on the journey, uh, it's a great, incredible journey that we've been in as a church family. Last week, we talked about the fact that the church started to get persecuted, and I'm going to just, you know, kind of, um, it's, what happened was when Jesus came, this new radical message of God is for you and not against you. He began to gather people, and the church grew so quickly that those that used to control the nation through religion started to lose their influence, and then they decided to persecute the church. And so they thought, we're going to stamp this out before it gets any further, or the whole world's going to go after him. And uh, <clears throat> guess what happens when you throw water on an oil fire? Kaboom, it spreads. And so the, now the church, all of a sudden, what used to be contained in Jerusalem is now spreading to Judea. We're going to see Samaria and to the ends of the earth as we continue in the book of Acts. And so this is where we're at, Acts chapter 8. The believers are scattered, and listen to what happens. But the believers who had fled Jerusalem went everywhere preaching the good news about Jesus. Philip, for instance, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about Christ. Crowds listened intently to what he had to say because of the miracles he did. Now we say, thank you, God, for the evangelists among us. And this guy's called Philip the evangelist. He's a deacon, but the persecution has hit the church. And Philip goes out and he's spreading the gospel. He's sharing the good news. God's doing signs and wonders through him. And we all say amen for the gift of evangelism. Thank you, God, for those that are gifted and called in order to do that. But I'm going to tell you today that every single one of you in this room is actually called by God to be an evangelist. And evangelism just means sharing the story of Christ, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And so we want to talk today about being an everyday evangelist. We're going to learn from this story of Philip the evangelist, but we're going to take some of the principles and we're going to put it into our lives and we're going to exercise this call of God to be evangelical, to share the story of the good news. Amen? Amen. Now, here's the thing. If we just start honestly, it's this. Uh, If non-Christians and Christians kind of hate the same thing, both of them hate evangelism. They're, they're like, I don't want to tell the story and you don't want to hear the story. No, no, no. You're thinking about it wrong. That's what we have to erase, okay? That's what we have to get rid of. Because if you really know the story, it's nothing but good news. Amen? Well, let's pray and see if we can learn how to be everyday evangelists today. Father God, thank you for this amazing church family. God, they're awesome. 
And I bless them, Lord Jesus, that they have a story to share, a story to tell. I pray, Holy Spirit, that your grace will abound to us now. Lord, we need eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive and respond to you. Holy Spirit of power, Holy Spirit of courage, Holy Spirit of witness, come and fill your church today, God, and give us what we need to go forward in this world. In Christ's name, amen and amen and amen. Well, we're going to talk first of all about the story of Philip the Evangelist and really how he encounters somebody. And the man, he's called the Ethiopian eunuch. We don't know his name, but we're going to frame that as really the people who need to hear our message. I'm going to be reading from Acts chapter 8, starting at verse 26. It's not going to come up on your screen, but I want you to listen to the story. I'll pull some of the scripture onto the screen a little bit later, but just listen to this whole story and imagine yourself in this story. Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch an important official in charge of all the treasury of the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go up to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, he asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains to me. So he invited Philip to come and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearers is silent, he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from this earth. The eunuch asked Philip, please tell me. Who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again. But he went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared in Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Well, let's talk about the background and the character of this story and characters of this story. The Ethiopian man... Uh, let's, let's go on and talk about him for a moment here. He's on a pilgrimage uh, to Jerusalem to worship God. Now, a pilgrim, pilgrimage is a journey often to an unknown or foreign place where a person goes in search of new or expanded meaning about themselves, others, nature, or a higher good through the experience. Now, 
the Ethiopian eunuch, we don't know why he goes to Jerusalem. Some scholars believe that he, maybe he was a Jewish, a Jewish proselyte, which means he was trying to follow the Jewish religion. So there's some scholars that go that way. Other scholars contend that he would have heard the story uh, of the Eth Queen of Sheba, who was the Queen of Ethiopia back 950 years ago, who took this incredible journey and encountered and to come and see Solomon the man of great wisdom and architecture and building, and, and he, she was enamored. This is recorded in the Ethiopian annals of history that she did this. And, and so maybe he read that story. Maybe he's like, well, it, it worked for the queen of the Ethiopia. That's why I'm going to Jerusalem. We don't know why, but we understand he's on a pilgrimage. Is everybody with me? He's on a journey. And, and we, guys, I want you to know a little bit about this. You know, we need to understand that how many people in your life and in my life are on a pilgrimage? How many people, maybe you're even here today, and you're searching for something? That's our world right now. People search in all kinds of places and spaces, you guys. We understand that. But let's talk about this guy just for a couple more minutes. For some reason, his life seemed off track. He was looking for something. But this guy was a very important man. This guy was you know, in charge of the treasury of an entire nation. How many of that's an important person, okay? And we know that this guy had serious coin. He's in a chariot, and it's a big chariot because he invites somebody to sit with him in the chariot. Uh, he buys a scroll of Isaiah. Well, a scroll, the way the, the, they didn't have books, they had scrolls. And so the scroll of Isaiah Scholars tell us it would be worth probably a, a, a normal man's year's wage. Because what would happen, the Jews were so meticulous in copying Scripture and producing these scrolls that if they made one mistake, the entire scroll had to be destroyed. Can you imagine? There's 66 books in this scroll, 66 chapters, okay? which we put in after, but can you imagine, that, that's a lot of words. Can you imagine you're there, you're tired, you're writing, you're on chapter 64 and you make one mistake. No! You're trying to, trying to color in the lines so the word looks right in the Hebrew and you're like, <laughs> and then, you know, Brother Zachariah's watching you and you're like, okay, burn the scroll. Okay, this guy's got coin. You follow what I'm saying? He buys a scroll. He's on a pilgrimage. He's on a journey. It doesn't matter. He wants to encounter whatever the Queen of Sheba encountered, or he wants to know this God. And, then, and lastly, I want you to know this man was a super intelligent man. You say, how can you know how intelligent he was, Pastor Greg? He is reading Hebrew. The Bible was written in Hebrew. Okay, you understand? This scroll was in Hebrew. This guy knew how to read Hebrew. I've studied Hebrew. It's not easy to read. I'm going to tell you that. Okay? Now, <laughs> but this guy's reading it. He doesn't understand it, but he can read it. Okay? So we understand. He's wealthy, he's important, and he's intelligent. Pretty cool. And so he doesn't know what he's reading. Now, what's a eunuch? <laughs> Prepare to sing very high. <laughs> A eunuch was someone that was chosen by a king or a queen uh, to serve their empire or their kingdom, and they would be castrated or emasculated in order that they could have no progeny. 
in order that their whole focus of their entire life was to serve that person. And, and because they were in such prominent, important positions, they did not want them to have children to try and take over the kingdom. So you got to understand, this is, this is pretty serious, right? One life, no progeny, no future. This isn't really about having children for this man as much as it's like, what's my point of my life? What's the purpose? This, we're going to discover that as we go on in our story. It was his lack of hope, lack of finding an eternal reality and purpose to his life. So what does he do? He goes on a journey. For we don't know how. He goes to Jerusalem. He goes to the temple. But you know, here's the crazy thing, you guys. He goes to the temple, but he can only go so far. Because this is what the scriptures say under the Old Testament law. This is what it says in Deuteronomy 23, 1 and 2. No one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. So guys, there's a wall up. This guy makes this incredible long pilgrimage. He makes this journey and he can't really enter in. And, and I'm going to tell you, there are people in our world who are on a pilgrimage who are looking, but this man, like many of those others, does not know about the open invitation into God's kingdom. How many people in your life are like that? They don't know that there's a place where they can come, there's a person they can connect to that will help them to have real life and life abundant. And this is our world. You know how many people feel they cannot come to church? I have argued with people. At funerals, my wife will tell you this. Not that I'm arguing at a funeral, but I'm saying you can come to church. But the person said to me, I know I can't go to church. I, and for them, it was, they said, I smoke. I can't go to church. I said, that's not going to keep you from Jesus. It may cause you to see him a little quicker, but other than that, <laughs> you're okay. You understand? It's like Pastor Greg offends every smoker in the house. I used to be one, so get over it. Okay, here we go. <laughs> they, but there are people in our world, guys, who feel judged before they even come into the house. Understand that maybe sometimes Christians they've met in the past, God forbid and God forgive us if we're one of those, that have put up barriers and walls. But I want you to know that the doors of the house of God are open. They are open to every single person you meet. You don't know what they're doing though, Pastor Greg. They got an agenda, they got this. It doesn't matter. Jesus will meet them in their need. Amen? Okay, so just understand that door's open, door's open. You know, but understand, guys, people who come to church, this is a foreign land to them. This is not a small journey for them. You think, well, they just parked in the parking lot and they can come. Do you remember when you came into church the first time? I do. I remember going to my sister-in-law's baptism. And it, I'm like, this is a foreign land. Where am I? I doesn't, what's going on? Just get that about people when they come in, guys. That's why welcoming them at the door is so important. That's why when they're sitting in your seat, you don't stand there and stare at them. Are we planning on staying here for the rest of the service? Or are you going to move? No, no, you don't do that. That's not what you do. You go and sit somewhere else and pray for them. Amen? It's okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. So, but there's some brokenness that's keeping people away. And so this is our story. But the, the kingdom's open, church. The kingdom's open. The kingdom's open. 
Amen? Christian, remember one thing. You are only here because of the mercy of God. That's it. You did not earn your way into this place. You don't deserve it. And I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about a relationship with God. Amen? Okay, okay. So we get there. This is our whole world. Now he feels he has no hope in this world or the next. Listen to what he's reading and what he's concerned about. As sheep are led to the slaughter, and quiet as a lamb being sheared, he was silent, saying nothing. He was mocked and put down, and he never got a fair trial. He never got a fair deal. But who can count his kin since he's been taken from the earth? The eunuch said, tell me, is the prophet talking about himself or others? Philip grabbed his chance. Using this passage of text, he preached Jesus to him. Amen? Imagine this guy's like, I mean, suddenly he's reading a passage and the guy doesn't have kin. The, the prophet he's reading about is not going to have kids. And, and we don't know what Philip says, but I'm going to tell you what Philip could have said. Philip could have said, guys, this, don't worry about the fact that you're not going to have kids. That's not the point. Jesus Christ came. He never had kids either, but he had a spiritual family and he's inviting you to join his family and to have an eternal purpose. Woo! And so Philip's preaching the word to this guy, and we all understand the door is open to the kingdom of God. What an invitation. Life with the king of the kingdom, living now and for eternity with God. What a story you have, church. What a message. How many people in our world are feeling hopeless right now? There's no, the world's in chaos, inflation is rising, morality is fading away. God, what is going on? <laughs> There's a place where you can come. His name is Jesus. Amen? Maybe Philip unrolls, and remember, he's got a scroll, and he's got the scroll. Maybe he unrolls it a little bit further because Philip is biblically literate. He's an evangelist. He's biblically literate, and you're going to say, well, I wouldn't know how to do this. That's okay. We're going to talk about you in a minute. But maybe he turns to Isaiah 56. We don't know. Let the foreigner who is bound by the Lord say, the Lord has ex exude me from his people, exclude me from his people. Let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose to do what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant. To them I will give within the temple and its walls a memorial and a name after that is better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. Can you imagine the hope that this guy suddenly is hearing this message about eunuchs? I can have a relationship with God. I couldn't even get in the door of the religious place. But now you're telling me that I can, I can be with God. Maybe he went to Isaiah 61. We don't know, right? God preaching hope to those that are in bondage. Hope that it need to know that God is for them and not against them. Setting captives free. Speaking to those in darkness. There is light and there is hope. All we know is it affects the man deeply. Hallelujah. How many of you need to know your story's not over? Your story's not over. It's not over in this life. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? 
And he gave the order to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. Philip baptized him. They came up out of the water. The spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again. But he went on his way rejoicing. Wow. What a story. So how does this apply to me and you? Like, thank God for these evangelists, Pastor Greg, but we should just leave it to them. That They should do it. They're doing great. Philip the evangelists. Pastor Greg, this is your job. Don't ask me to be an everyday evangelist, but hang on, you can do it. You can do it. Tell yourself, I can do this. That was seven people said, I can do this. The rest were like, I'm not volunteering for anything. Okay. By the end of the service, I'm going to ask you again, can you do this? Okay. Okay. Everyday evangelists, number one, set their heart before the Lord every day. I don't know if you caught this at the beginning of the story. It says, now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, go to the south road. Then later on, the spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. That's not like they're having a conversation like he can hear an audible voice, guys. It's something's happening inside his heart. Now, maybe he heard an audible voice, but more than likely, it's just something, an, an unction, a thought. Do you know that every day God wants to speak to you? Every day God wants to like prompt you? I'm going to give you some of those examples today. And and my wife prays this prayer all the time. She prays, Lord, give me the lips that nourish many. Give me the lips that encourage many. That's from Proverbs 10, 21. It's a simple prayer. At the beginning of the day, she does her devotion. She says, Lord, today, give me the lips that encourage people. Isn't that a good way to set your heart before? And if you met my wife, my wife is the most encouraging person you would ever want to stand next to. You just, she will bless you. Listen, if you just give your children to my wife for an hour, the kids will be loved, adored, encouraged, given a plan for their life, and set on fire. She just loves kids and speaking into their life. Okay, so everyday evangelists, guys, listen to me, set the, starts their day before the Lord every day. It's just a simple thing. God, today, if you have an assignment for me, use me. How many can pray that prayer in the car on the way to work? That, okay, everyday evangelist. Everybody's going, okay, I can do that. I can pray that prayer. I'm with you so far, Pastor Greg. Because listen to me, you guys. Before you say one word, your life is the only message people read. There are some people that will never read the Bible, but you are their Bible. Wow. <laughs> Why would they want what you have? That's your thought. Hallelujah. Here's the second thought, evangelism, everyday evangelism is a process. It's a process. People need to hear the gospel several times before they accept the good news. So sometimes your job is to sow seed. Sometimes your job is to be kind. Sometimes your job is to pray. Sometimes your job is to answer questions. Sometimes your job is to ask questions. You're not the only player in the story. In fact, you're not the main part of the story. The Holy Spirit is. And the Spirit of God is leading people into your path because He wants you to understand He has a plan for you to live as an everyday evangelist. But the role is not as hard or as difficult as you think, church. How many of you can be kind, to be encouraging, be gracious, be patient, be courteous? Here's the greatest thing I'm going to say to you right now. Don't try to win people. Just work on loving people. Okay, 
I can do that, Pastor Greg. Maybe I can be an everyday evangelist. Okay, I'm with you so far. Here we go. Here we go. Everyday evangelism happens on the way. Did you catch that in the text? So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch. Do you know how many times in my life, guys, in my everyday ordinary life, that on the way, God has a divine appointment for me? Like, guys, it's, I'm going to tell you stories today, a few of them, okay? Now, this isn't just because of, this is just on the way. How many of you know you have an on the way every day? Okay, so we're all everyday evangelists. We're getting it. So he's on the way. I can tell you about the lady in the bank with the huge hernia. I'll get there in a minute. I could tell you about the gigantic biker wearing the Hells Angels colors when I went to go into the hospital to meet somebody else and he's standing there and the Spirit of God says, go and stand next to him. It was weird. I'm this like geeky pastor guy standing next to biker guy having a cigarette and he's like looking at me and I'm like, hey, how you doing? (laughs) Just ask a question and see what happens. You don't know what the Lord's going to do. I said, I, I got talking to him, and uh, we had, had a mutual acquaintance that we knew from Fort McMurray together, another biker that used to be in Hell's Angels. I said, well, can I pray for you? And he said, no. I said, cool, cool. I just kept talking. I'm that guy. I just kept talking like I didn't take the hint. Okay, <laughs> anyway. So, crazy story. He's there for... I won't even go into it. It's a horrible situation for him. But I said, man, just seriously, let me pray for you. Like God loves you. Oh, okay. I started praying for him. He started weeping. Hell's angel guy. You don't know, you guys. You don't know. And like I, I love prayer. I'm going to tell you why. I off, my wife will tell you. <laughs> I will pray for so many people in the weirdest places all the time. And for me, it's because I'm like, God, I'm totally useless at this, so you might as well take over. I'm just going to pray for them. Let them experience your presence. Let them experience your healing. Let let them experience your love. Now, you may be saying, well, I can't pray. That's just totally weird, and I'm not that guy. Great. Can you bake cookies? Can you be kind? Can you hold a door open? Can you offer to help somebody carrying out six things from Starbucks? Say, hey, I'll hold the door. You want me to get your car door for you? Okay, you can do all that. I'm just telling you. Here we go. I'll get back to the stories in a minute. Everyday evangelists ask questions. When Philip ran up to the chariot, he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. He heard. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asks. My questions often just, I'm more probing in the moment to see if there's an open door. That's how I, that's how I do it. it. It's not hard to be kind and courteous to people. So we were at the police station uh, right at the tail end of COVID. And um, we are in the RCMP office and Betty and I were reporting. We got a call that the truck that had, our, we had a truck stolen. So they found the truck. So we were going to the RCMP to, you know, kind of talk to them about they found the truck and they've towed it with the RCMP towing thing and you have to pay the bill and all this fun stuff. And so I'm, I'm, I'm not in the best mood. And there's a lady waiting in the, there, and she's, I hear her. I hear her. She's on the phone. She's like, oh, I locked my keys in the car. Kate, can you bring me my keys? I know you don't have a, just jump on your bike. It's winter. 
whoever she's talking to. So I'm, I just say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for being nosy. But I happen to hear that you needed, that you locked your keys in the car. Can my wife and I give you a ride to go get your keys? And she's like, ah, ah. I'm like, it's my wife and I. I'm not that freaky guy trying to get you in my car, okay? It's just my wife and I. And uh, so she says, that would be amazing. So we drive across town, wait for her to get her keys, drive her back, and the whole time we're just talking. We're just finding out about her. We're just finding out her story. Tell me, how long have you lived in, in Mournville? Tell me what's going on. She shares about her daughter and the struggles her daughter's, daughter's having in her life and anxiety because of COVID. And, and it was so beautiful because we got to invite her to church and we got to pray for her in that moment in the car. It's just from asking a question, you guys. Anybody can do that. Amen? So I'm, in, I'm the question guy. I'm in the bank. I'm standing behind a lady and I'm thinking, okay, I want to start a conversation. So I say, oh, when are you expecting? Never the right question to ask. <laughs> okay, worst question an everyday evangelist can ask. There we are in the line. All the tellers look horrified at me, like, what are you thinking? And she says, I'm not pregnant. Oh my gosh. I know. But then she says, I have a hernia and it's really large. I said, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry that I said, you know, just forgive me. It's okay to do that. And then I said, I had a hernia operation recently and I understand that and it's scary, isn't it? She said, I'm so terrified. Can I pray for you? So right there in the bank lineup, I know, it's bizarre. She's weeping and saying, yes, please. Amen? The people are waiting behind us, but nobody's going to interrupt this crazy guy. <laughs> and the tellers are waiting patiently for us. I never saw her again, but I prayed for her. Now, listen to me, guys. I didn't share the four spiritual laws with her. I didn't try to convert her on the spot. I just loved her in the moment she was in. Okay? Now, again, you may not be the prayer guy. That's my thing. Actually, it's my thing. Just leave it alone. No, 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 no if you do it, it's good. But I'm saying there's so many other things you can do. Uh, you can even say, I'll pray for you. Start, try that one first. That would really make her happy. Okay, everyday evangelists have to be bold. No kidding. Okay, now here's the thing. Please do not be bold in preaching the four spiritual laws. Though I've used the four spiritual laws, and there's a time for them, but you have to discern the time. What you need to be bold in is bold in loving and caring for people. That's it. People need to know that God is for them and not against them, church. You have an answer for them. Amen? You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You can all, sometimes all you have is, well, I know what I was before I met the Lord. I know what happened to me when I met the Lord, and I know what's happening to me now. How many of you can share that three points? If somebody invites that, you can share that story. Or you can say, I'm on the journey myself. It doesn't really matter. Mrs. Agri, our 89-year-old elder, is an everyday evangelist. Amen? In her building this week, and she's always is kind to her people in her building. 
And uh, so she, somebody down the hallway from a different religion, she knows this, they've had conversations. He says, how are you doing, Marion? And she says, I'm doing just fine as she's walking toward him. And he says, how can you be doing just fine? Didn't you just lose your daughter? Tell me how you can be doing just fine. And so Mrs. Agri says, do you want me to tell you why I'm doing just fine? And so she shares her relationship with Jesus to this man. You know why? She doesn't see him as a man from another religion, the enemy. She sees him as a human being who needs to know the love of God. Amen? <laughs> so I come by this honestly. Um, being a pastor under Pastor Glenn Forsberg, who's here today, um, Pastor Glenn one of the things he did in Fort McMurray that made him astonishing to me all the time was he treated every single human being like they were created in the image of God and God loved them and wanted a relationship with them. So we're, we're out from the office. I think we were going to a restaurant for a meeting or something. We're walking and there's a very inebriated person on a park bench. And Pastor, I'm walking with Pastor Glenn and I'm going to just ignore this person who's very drunk. Sorry, I'm not quite there yet. Okay, I'm just telling you the truth. And I, I turn around, he's standing, he's sitting next to the guy with his arm around him. And he's like, brother, how are you doing? How are you today? And so I'm like, okay, praise God. It's good. So after we're walking away, he, oh, he says to me, he says, oh, come meet my friend. Come meet my friend, Pastor Greg. This is Pastor Greg. And I'm like, hi, how you doing? Great to meet you. And so we're, then my Pastor Glenn and I start walking away, and I say, well, how long have you known him, Pastor Glenn? Oh, I just met him. <laughs> I just, that was the first time I met him. You called him friend. He's my friend. How many of you can be friends to people? Amen? You can be an everyday evangelist church. Set your heart before the Lord. The band's going to come back now. understand that you're in a process. You know, everyday evangelists may never see the outcome and the efforts of their life. Do you know, I, there's so many people that I prayed for and talked to, I have no clue what happened to them, ever. Like, I think there's one or two stories where I heard later on from somebody that said, you prayed for me once or you talked to me once. But the vast majority, I don't know. Now, church, I want you to think about something right now. This is incredible because your job is very important. When they came out of the water, it said the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again. The eunuch who could not have kids, the eunuch didn't see Philip again. But you know, the scriptures record things for a reason. Scholars believe this is likely the first convert to Christianity in Ethiopia. Now, what effect did the eunuch have who could not have kids? Check this out. There's 111 million people in Ethiopia. I got these statistics from 2019. 44% of them are from the Christian Orthodox Church. 19% of them from Evangelical and Pentecostal Christian churches. 69.93 million Ethiopians have a Christian heritage. 
what kind of effect did this man's life have? How many kids and great-grandkids, spiritually speaking, did this man's life have? And Philip could have walked right by him and not done what the Lord wanted him to do. We need to be ready every day, guys, for the everyday evangelism stories. Amen? I remember being in Fort McMurray in a little tiny Anglican church, and I don't know the whole story of the backstory, but they ended up leading the CEO of one of the major oil companies came to the Lord through their church. Okay? So this guy gets saved in this little church and him and his wife are so on fire for God. Uh, he, he took Alpha. He took the Alpha course and that's how he became a Christian. So then this guy doesn't think like you and me. He says, well, there's problems in my work company and my major problem is marriages have trouble and he goes on and studies through Alpha that they have a whole marriage course so every week he buys out a local restaurant and invites any of his employees to come and learn about marriage through the Alpha course he pays the entire restaurant's bill to share the gospel guys you don't know the effect your life can have one person hallelujah Man, what a story. Hallelujah. Well, that eunuch certainly has a heritage to speak of now, doesn't he? You know, I was thinking about our young people. And as I was praying for this message, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me, you know. Um, 85% of people who become Christians do so before they're 18 years old. How important is our children's ministry and our youth ministry, you guys? <laughs> and the vast majority of Christians who backslide do it between their 18th and 25th birthday. How important is our young adults ministry? Jesus. And as you're praying right now, the Lord spoke to me that there's somebody here today or maybe watching online that is hopeless, feeling hopeless feeling what's the point, even entertaining suicidal thoughts. We live in a hopeless world, church, but in Christ, there is hope. And so if that's you here today, don't leave with that hopelessness in your heart. Jesus will meet you right there. You are so important. He spoke to me about you last night. And as I was praying for you, Amen. Maybe you're watching online. I don't know. But God knows. He set up a meeting for you and for me. You're that important. Last story. My wife and I were traveling back from Fort McMurray. And our friends had lent us their van so we could go on vacation. They're here today, our friends, actually. Rick and Marie Ralph, they lent us their van because we were poor pastors. So they said, drive, your, drive our van. So we drove all the way to, from Fort McMurray to um, Kelowna. We had a great vacation and we were driving home and we said, well, we'll stop in Calgary overnight because the kids will be tired and grumpy. So we're driving back from Kelowna and the kids are literally passed out. Like they played in the beaches and had so much fun. They, but they weren't passed out, normal passed out. This was seven hours of driving. They're all like... 
bouncing around and like, so Benny and I look at each other and we say, well, let's keep going. Let's just keep going. We'll make it all the way. We'll make it to Edmonton instead of, instead of Calgary. And she says, well, how much gas do we have? I said, oh man, we're fine. We got 168 kilometers. The little digital display said 168 kilometers. I said, well, stop at the gas town, gas outside of Calgary. We're great. So we start driving, we're driving. And I'm like, oh, this is so amazing. Kids are still passed out. And then suddenly it goes down from 168 to 48. And then it goes down from 48 to 11. And as it goes, ding, 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 ding. And then all of a sudden it's like dead. Betty's like, <laughs> anyway, she forgave me. So I, what do I do? I get out of the tr- car and I start hitchhiking. Stick up my thumb and this old Winnebago pulls over. This is the end of my life. I'm thinking, okay, here we go, God. I'm being hauled into a Winnebago, but you got, got to get gas. This guy driving was the ancient of days. He was probably 90 something driving this old Winnebago. And he starts driving. I say, man, I need gas. My family's here. My little two little kids. I play the little kids card. They're, you know, it's like dangerous. You need to get, he's like, no problem. He starts driving. We drive right by the exit for Pernoka. And I'm like, uh, there's gas down in Pernoka. And he's like, no, I know another gas station up ahead. He's going 60 kilometers an hour. <laughs> Okay, I'm like, I'm getting like, oh my gosh, man, this is what I need right now. I've been driving for eight hours. Here we go, Lord. He drops me off at the gas station place and says, oh, I have to leave, but somebody should pick you up on the other side. I'm like, are you kidding me? He drives for like 18 kilometers, probably 10, 12 miles away from Betty and the kids. He leaves me there. I have to buy a jerry can. I buy the jerry can. I fill it with gas. I take my life in my own hands. I cross the highway because I got to get on the other side now, right? I'm like, I'm playing that little game of squishy, whatever they call that, where you're like dodging the oncoming traffic with the jerry can in my hand. I get to the other side. I hold up my thumb in desperation. I just literally like, oh my God, please somebody send somebody God. Like seven seconds, this guy pulls over. I say, oh, I got a gas kind of put in your trunk. He says, no, just put it in the back seat. I'm saying, oh, dude, it's going to smell. He says, it's okay. Young guy. We start talking because we got, again, probably 20 miles. I don't know what it was. It was a long journey. He's a backslidden Christian. <laughs> He's wondering if God still loves him. And I said, brother, you have no idea how much God loves you. Now, let me tell you this story. He started in northern British Columbia that day driving. I started in southern British Columbia that day driving. And the living God orchestrated it that down to the second, he was the first guy that pulled over for me in seven seconds. Do you know how easily I could have missed that guy? But God orchestrated. God orchestrated. And so he gave his heart back to Jesus. And I got out of the car and took my gas and filled it up and went on my merry way. Guys, I never saw that guy again, but I'm going to meet him in heaven. Amen? Amen. God may inconvenience you to be an everyday evangelist, but what could be too great a cost to share the love of God with one who's lost? Nothing. Amen? Not a truck being stolen, 
not the inconvenience of having to walk on the highway. It doesn't matter. You are called by God to be everyday evangelists. Thanks for joining us today. If you want more information, please visit our website, tfhchurch.ca, and we'll see you next week.